Welcome to another episode of the Vineyard Justice Network podcast. Vineyard Justice Network exists to empower vineyard pastors and leaders to pursue and enact the justice of God's kingdom. VJN equips you by connecting the work of heart, head, and hands with key issues of structural injustice and leadership. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Vineyard Justice Network podcast. My name is Kathy Maskell, and I'm sitting down with my friend Michelle Ting today. And we're going to have a conversation about what God has been doing in her life, particularly with connecting her relationship with God to um, expressing it in various ways um, through the language of art. So Michelle and her husband, Jason, live in the Mountain View Bay Area, Northern California. She is a small group leader at the Palo Alto Vineyard and is in the middle of a master's in theology program at Fuller Seminary. So welcome, Michelle. And why don't why don't you just share with us a little bit about the, this season in your relationship with God that has really kind of inspired you and led you to you know, express yourself and express this relationship and what you're learning about God and about yourself through different art forms. Cool. So art has been a huge part of my life and my relationship with God. Um, in this season in particular, I found uh, that a lot of the art practices that I'm engaging with, particularly in writing, uh, dance, and some uh, installation projects, um, have really been a place of making sense of a lot of the questions and experiences and stories related in part to my family history and also in large part to my ethnic identity as a Vietnamese person, mm -hmm. a Vietnamese Christian specifically. Mm -hmm. And something I've been thinking about a lot is just how 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 does my story fit into the larger story of God? And so uh, something I think a lot about these days is, uh, especially in the season of Advent, is this, this question that Mary has when she says, you know, how will this be? Um, how will this be that since I am a virgin, how will this be this impossible promise of the creation of something good? In her case, it was the birth of Jesus. And yeah. that, that, that being the answer to this like lifelong, generation-long question of like, who is our savior? Who is our God? Who is the redemption and healer of such a long history of pain, of wandering, of seeking a homeland, expecting a promise fulfilled? And and so right now, a lot of the questions that I have related to ethnic identity, to uh, a lot of the racial division and trauma in our country yeah. um, in the form of writing, I think for me, it's like one word in front of the other. It's a um, place where I, yeah, just am, I'm, I'm feeling led to try to make sense of things with God. I mean, as an example, like even just the other day uh, when I was kind of meditating on this question of how will this be, it led me to kind of write a lot of a lot of questions that I had for God of like, how will, th how will this be? How will this be that, you know, if my family comes from a line of like refugees, you know, survivors of a ton of trauma related to uh, war and uh, being displaced from their homeland and um, coming like, you know, leaving a country divided and things like that. Like, um, how will this be that like, I can be someone um, who walks towards like wholeness, who um, is able to speak into um, division and, and also just a lot of the ways that like, I think are 
uh, my community, but obviously not isolated from the rest of the country, like um, are unable to communicate and unable, un- unable to locate ourselves in, the, in a story of hope and a story of unity and a story of like reconciliation. Um, so even just like expre- expressing all of that has been a very like healing practice and then also almost necessary to, to commune with God. Yeah. And I think one, one other mention, uh, one other thing I'd like to mention on that front is I think with art making, sometimes it can be seen as just like catharsis or kind of expression, which I think it yeah. does play a role for us as humans, like uh, to be able to just like let out the groans, you know, the groans yeah. of the groanings of the spirit. And I think uh, that that has been a great like starting point, I think, for me in the in this in the season of life. And on the other hand, I also think that like there's a there's like a there's been a like a clarity around um, the permission to be invited almost by God to to share like what like what do you see, Michelle, that is happening in the world, or what do you see of me in your story? And I kind of I, I think of the Lord asking Jeremiah that same question: so, what, what do you see? And so there's sort of this like intimacy that comes from that dialogue, uh, and and and. And the permission to answer that question becomes very liberating, I think, for, for me personally, and especially in when I look back on some of the projects that I've done or just like some of the, the like the writing that I just like I feel like I need to do. It, it it's an intimate dialogue, I think, with with the self, with God, uh, with others that yeah, just happens to take the form of a like written work or you know, some other visual art form, things like that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about some of these visual art projects, particularly, you know, you, you just talked about how, yes, like one of the wonderful, one of the wonderful opportunities that anyone can take in artistic expression is that it, it is like cathartic or it can even be therapeutic because it's, yes. It can be this non nonverbal. I mean, you talked about writing, but you know, with visual art or dancing, it's this nonverbal mm-hmm. way of being able yes. to communicate both intimately with God in, on a different level. But there is this other aspect with with art, and as I understand it, with maybe not all artists, but with many artists, mm-hmm. like part of it is it is a means of communications to others as well. You know, not mm-hmm. just in the private individual relationship with you and God. And so, yeah, you know, um, you you mentioned one of the things that you've been processing is just the, the racial tension and divide and just pain that is reflected in our country, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sure just in your particular community as as well. And so what's what's an example of the kind of project that is that has both been a, a space for you to reflect intimately with God, but also it's become a channel of communication where you're inviting others into that dialogue as well. Yeah. Well, the first that comes to mind is after the shoot, the police shootings in uh, July of last year of Lando Castile and Alton Sterling, I felt a strong need to just sit. And I don't remember if I actually wept, but I certainly felt like heartbroken and to, I felt an invitation from the Holy Spirit to really be in that space and to to sit in that. I think many times as artists, like we we struggle to find language, we struggle to find like an appropriate form. And I think the yeah, so the challenge of finding language, I think is I think it's like a, it's an internal question for all all thi- all public thinkers, all public people who make art, make people who make work uh, that is meant to be communicative. So in that context, so just being able to sit and really weep and sit and consider loss, consider a repetition of historical trauma of death. It allowed me to be able to see or just imagine like, what would it look like for a community to really remember and to really confront that? Yeah. Um, I thought of Maya Lin's memorial, Vietnam War memorial was like one of the first images that came to mind in that context of like prayer and kind of 
lament, personal lament. Yeah. Um, and what struck me about that was I recall her saying that, you know, I really wanted, I knew people would cry as they approached the mirror and saw all the names of those who, who died in that, I guess, from U.S. folks who died in that, in that war. And similarly, I felt like a strong need for, to create a space, a sacred space for folks to confront uh, just like the river of names that constitute this reality of police brutality in our specific time. And just the disposability of particularly Black and Brown folk as they interact and are confronted by police in, in their various communities. And the reason I think that broke my heart was just the lack of space, the lack of space I found in my own life, my own in the, in the circles that I walked in that spoke to this larger heartbreak of, you know, like, how can we continue living life without uh, stopping and seeing and confronting the reality of death? And so I just got this very simple idea to string together like a series of mirrors and just write with literally those expo markers that you can just get anywhere yeah. in black and red, listing the date of the death of these individuals. Um, and I specifically narrowed it down to black individuals who had died at the hands of the police for whatever reason. And I, and I, and there's some intentionality in some of the decisions that were made in making that piece of, so essentially it ended up being like just a wall of mirrors kind of along the lines of the Vietnam War Memorial, but a wall of floor-length mirrors that I got from Target and just a list of names. And I, I wanted to keep it simple because I wanted to express the quotidian nature of lives lost in that selection of names. Yeah. And then also how like, you know, some folks ask like, why did you do it in, why did you do it in, in a dry erase marker that can be erased so easily? And in fact, at a later point when I had the opportunity to show it at Google for a, at Google where I uh, work during the daytime, there are a group of employees who comprise uh, what's called the Black Googler Network. And this is just a community of both Black folks, but also uh, their allies, their friends, their colleagues. And they had a an event called Say Their Names, where they just read a list of names. And so um, I kind of offered up the art work as a way of aiding that reflection yeah. time, that lament in the context of the workplace. And I think someone noted later that like, oh, like, you know, people, I saw people just brushing their backpacks, walking by and, and, and erasing some of the names. But then I realized like, oh, maybe that's the point. Maybe it's very easy for us to walk by this reality, these lists of names and not even know the thing that we are ignoring, the thing that we are refusing to face by our own complicity. It, it could be malice too, or, or really just our ignorance and our lack of seeing brothers and sisters. I'll also note that this was uh, initially a project for um, the Palo Alto Vineyard uh, as part of one of our Sundays where we allowed, uh, where there was an invitation for folks to create art. Um, and so this kind of fit nicely with that context yeah. as well. And in terms of like relationship to community and kind of like, what, what do you, what do you aim to communicate? I think the project could have probably taken a number of different forms, but for, and, and I'm sure others have I've, many other artists have created work in response to just the the cry for um, recognition of like Black humanity and celebration of that. And for me, it came from a personal place of lament and a personal context of lament. And for me, that was simply important because of uh, what I felt led to do in that in in the in the moment of receiving the little alert I had on my phone that that yes, another shooting had passed. And so mm -hmm. I think like creation, create creativity and creation of of work, of art, of anything to, to be put into the public realm, while it can be both like an individual expression of the groaning of the spirit, really. Um, I think when when we kind of submit to that invitation and that need to groan, mm. to weep or to lament, it does kind of, I think, lead to this larger creation of perhaps like 
in, in my case, like a sacred space to reflect, to confront, to look at these mirrors and see one's own reflection in that. But I think it can take a number of different forms too. So that just happened to be what I felt like was a faithful need to express something that was experienced in the context of like individual dialogue with God. Yeah. You know, something that within the Vineyard Justice Network that that we have talked about and have also worked to create spaces for us, particularly when we come together, you know, about once a year for our annual forum is a space for lament. And in so many ways, the prayers of lament in in the Old Testament, these are cries of justice or cries for justice because justice begins with the question of why did this happen? Yes. And that is what a prayer of lament is. Why God? Why God did this happen? And it doesn't necessarily seek to answer the question. Mm -hmm. But it raises the question that the work of God's justice seeks to respond to. Yeah. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about just how you're seeking to to ask or connect this cry of lament with responding um, with God's heart for justice, particularly in your vineyard church, you know, like vineyard churches, we are all about creating space for broken people, you know, speaking for myself, right? Like that's kind of how I, that's certainly what I experienced, you know, in my first vineyard church that there's, oh, like even in worship, that there is a, a sense of God's healing presence. And so what's that, what's that looking like, um, right now in your vineyard church? Yeah. um, So we have had spaces of communal lament that has definitely been one space for us to reckon communally about some of the events that we've been hearing in the news and just really connecting that with this like larger cry that we join in as the people of God of like, why, like, why do these things happen, God? And, and really being able to sit in the, in the discomfort and in the dissonance of having that question, maybe not be answered in full right now. And in my own community, in the Palo Alto Vineyard, my husband, Jason, and I, we currently co-lead a small group that's called Ethnic Identity Journeys with Jesus. And actually, one thing that I think of that really captures this, this kind of reckoning and inviting Jesus into our stories of brokenness is in the context of our small group, we share about memories that we've had where there's pain or woundings in who we are as whatever our ethnicity is. So for example, like I, as a Vietnamese American woman recall, you know, never really seeing an image in the media of my beautiful self reflected in, say, a celebrity or a leader and things like that. So that might lead to some pain in my own story of like how I, you know, what is my place in this world? And does it matter that God created me as Vietnamese American? So in the context of our group, which is a a comprised of a few white folks, uh, folks of mixed race and South and East and Southeast Asian folk, we all have these different stories and these different moments of pain, these different questions that we have. Um, to make sense of our stories. And the other day we were studying uh, Luke's account of the road to Emmaus. And Mm. one thing that struck us in that story was just these two folks are walking along uh, and Jesus comes along and says like, Hey, what's up? They're like, what what are y'all talking about? And and what struck us was just the, the degree to which there was such confusion and not being able to put together this promise of, or, or uh, this vision of the resurrected Jesus with this empty tomb and just some of the, just the, the lack of sense, the lack of sense and the lack of continuity and almost the lack of consistency. Like, is this consistent with you, God? 
And as we were talking through that, like one, one person pointed out that, Hey, like, you know, they really recognize Jesus when he, when he broke the bread and when there was like communion, when they made space yeah. for him to be in their midst. And in the context of our small group, we, uh, one thing that we are trying to do is to invite Jesus into the ways that, you know, we are unable to make sense of the pain. Uh, so for me, for example, as a Vietnamese American, you know, this is something that um, the author of Viet Thanh Nguyen talks about in his, in his book, The Sympathizer. It's like, whoa. And this is many times I've, I've, t- I've asked of myself, um, asked of God in my own times of crying out why God is like, man, what if like, what if war did not break out in Vietnam? What if like we were not colonized? What if my parents were not, you know, kind of sent off as refugees, displaced, like arriving in a new land, being foreigners and strangers to this land? What if that didn't happen? Like, would I be infinitely more healed? Would I be yeah. infinitely more whole? But really, I think like we all, we all have the, those like stories where it's like, wow, this really hurts in our generational mm-hmm. history and our family lineage. And so in the context of our small group, we're really trying to invite God to make sense of these things in this larger story of like, oh God, we are called to remember just the brokenness in our lineage. And yet at the same time, we are also people who can look forward to just shalom. We can look forward to promised land. We can look forward to like true freedom, true homeland. Like, And we kind of, pra- in, in, I think in the context of experiencing healing, whether it's prayer ministry, whether it's just dialogue, whether it's experiencing the living God in our midst as we ask these questions that are rooted in, in real pain and both in the past and the present and the confusion around that, I think there is this hope that's stirred because we start to see the sense that is made, like not in Jesus necessarily putting one word after another and saying like, this is the history of you in the context of my story, but really communion with him, yeah. communion. And so, yeah, that's just one way we try to like make space for, yeah, I think the healing that can really only come from that, that space of communion, but yeah, it's just one form. What for, for yourself and your journey with God, what, what is, you know, if you were going to make a recommendation or just, you know, just offer some insight to other folks, other leaders in vineyard churches who are considering some of these questions and wrestling with like, how, how do we bring this, how do we bring these questions, particularly of, you know, healing ethnic identities or racial reconciliation into our vineyard churches that again, believe and absolutely want to welcome people to, to come as they are. Um, in their brokenness, how, what is possible, you know, like what, what can really be gained if we thought about prayer and healing to extend to our ethnic identities? And maybe, maybe it's more like what, what is lost if, if, if we don't, and what, mm. what is gained when we, when we do try this? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I can answer the first, which is like, what is lost? <laughs> I think the tragedy of really not bringing the strength of the vineyard, say, in our understanding of the kingdom here and not yet in um, the way that we believe in the living God, the movement of the spirit as really our leader of this movement, just the strength around prayer ministry and just the possibility in that is, um, I think we leave it to just a stunted imagination that comes from life without God to define our ethnic identities. Mm. So for example, th- I, you know, I'm always speaking from my own, my own experience with God and I happen to be Vietnamese American and, uh, but also Christian. And what I've noticed is a part went before I really explicitly and directly dialogued with God about my journey as being Vietnamese and entering this world in that specific language and context and culture. And even though I was born in San Jose in California, is that I think it becomes a little cyclical where you only look to your own culture, which is full of brokenness, but also of knowledge 
to heal you. And uh, there's such limitedness in that because, you know, our, our ancestors, all of us, I'm, you know, not just, just, not just Vietnamese ancestors, but I'm speaking to everyone who has ancestors. There, uh, there's only a, there's a limited knowledge that comes from that, that lineage, that defined lineage. And sometimes I think in understanding the self in terms of ethnicity, we can tend, we can repeat some of the broken responses to pain, confusion, trauma that our ancestors like did to, with a limited knowing of God in their context. Um, And I do believe that God works through all, you know, all things and all people, but we have this choice to invite the knowing of Jesus into our reckoning of our ethnic identities. And so say before, you know, in pre- in the past, I've definitely tried to answer the question of say like, you know, what, what, what does it mean? What does it mean to be Vietnamese and also Christian? And I think a lot of the confusion that that generates is um, they seem mutually exclusive. And, yeah. and, and, and part of it is if you look at the history of Christianity in a certain ethnic group, for example, or in a certain country or nation or context, there's always a place of, uh, of reckoning that goes back to the point of like, when was Christianity introduced into these people? And so I think the healing that comes from Jesus for me has been learning that like, hey, like there are ways that I can make sense of this in a way that you, if you just say like, ask your ancestors, but at the same time, the stories that you've heard from your ancestors are also a way of knowing me. So for example, like with Jesus, I've been able to understand my journey as as a person of God to be, to know God's character of, of redeeming um, divided countries of redeeming um, division, of redeeming disruption in family lineages, um, say because of war or say in another context, it could be because of slavery. It could be for a number of reasons where family lineage is divided and there's death and a displacement from homeland. And so my posture toward the position that that has afforded me in terms of like beholding God and who God is allows me to see, oh, hey, like I come from a line of, of voyagers, of warriors who can, who are, who are able to resist fear or resist an experience of oppression or just hopelessness or lack of homeland and look toward a larger hope, a homeland and a, a future. And a, that all only makes sense if, if the homeland is not, say, like America or if the homeland, the redeemed homeland is not, say, Vietnam specifically, but um, that there's like a there's like a larger homeland, a kingdom that that makes that makes all of this chaotic like history make sense uh, somehow. Mm. Um, even though I can't fully like clearly, I'm stumbling over my words because like I actually don't know the answer to that. But I think apart from God, like you, it, it's hard to make sense of that. Um, so in terms of like advice for for vineyard folks who are trying to like invite this into their own context, I guess. Um, I think part of it, like especially for leaders, I think part of it is just like learning our own histories and like bringing that to God. For me, it's really helpful. It's been helpful to just like literally explicitly ask God, like, what's up with this or what, what is this about? And um, to have permission to be angry and sad and, and also to ask like, wait, what, what, uh, what were some seeds of like redemption in this story that I can look to? And so I wouldn't say my Vietnamese lineage is, uh, was fully obedient or fully faithful, say, um, in terms of like how they went about their voyaging or went about their seeking of homeland and, 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 um, and uh, resistance to fear, for example. But there are, there are ways that I think God like helps us see what were this, what are the seeds of redemption in your own journey as blank person, you know, like Vietnamese, it can be Vietnamese, it can be whatever ethnicity, but so yeah, as like, I think as leaders to really like dig, dig back into our own 
lineages. And I think there's knowledge there that we miss when we don't reckon with that. Yeah. And I think the, I guess like the second thing in terms of like, like what, I guess, what do we gain or what's like the beauty that comes from that? I think there's a sense of harmony and wholeness that seems really far off for us as people now. And I think the, I guess like as we invite, as we invite Jesus's, like, as we, I guess, as we meditate on what, what, what does it mean to believe in this living God? Like we can look to our, our further lineage as of the Israelites or of, you know, folks, folks in the history of um, the people of God trying to like follow, um, follow this God who is a God who promises, who is a God who, uh, who, who fulfills his promises, who nurtures creation, who brings healing to the land, to creation, to all people and, and ends in this oneness that is just utterly like impossible to imagine sometimes. I think what we gain from bringing that these questions of ethnic identity to God is a a sense of like utter shalom in both like our bodies and like our individual bodies and selves and as we relate to others yeah that's that might be kind of vague but it's so specific to our own stories so yeah For resources related to this episode, as well as to listen to previous podcast episodes go to www.vineyardjusticenetwork.org Follow us on Facebook at Vineyard Justice Network, and on Twitter and Instagram at Vineyard Justice.